Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. You know, I am 32 years old, and I think there is still a part of me that is a tiny bit obsessed with Jonathan Taylor Thomas because those OG crushes just die super hard. We all have those childhood stars we grew up watching on TV or grew up listening to their albums, and we still love them as much today as we did back then. That is why we are all rooting for Britney Spears and also why I've seen her show in Vegas, not once, but twice now. Basically flew to Vegas just to go see it. We all have our favorite child stars and we continue to root for them even when it is a little bit difficult for those child stars to transition into more adult roles or more adult projects. There's a lot of ways that we see stars do that. You know, the sexy magazine cover, the I'm a grown up album and or movie where it's their sort of first project that is meant to be viewed for <laughs> viewed by adults instead of by a sort of tween fan base or the juicy tell-all interview. There's also rehab and crazy backstabbing drama and in some cases even jail time. So whether it was Drew Barrymore, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Miley Cyrus, or Demi Lovato, we are all here for the child stars. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we're talking about child star confessions. Joining me on the panel is Cosmopolitan.com's deputy pop culture editor, Alex Reese. Hi, Alex. Hi, hi, hi. Here for Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Also. <laughs> Should and Britney Spears. And Britney. Should we just <laughs> all make this all about JTT and Literally, Britney? we'll just rewatch The Lion King <laughs> right. and squeal. Yes, please, <laughs> please. I'm sure that would be so interesting for everyone listening. Um, Alex, I always love to have you on the podcast, not only because of your endless pop culture knowledge, but obviously because of your sexy British accent. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right. You're basically born to host a podcast. So, um, you know, talking about this sort of transition of child stars, because... You know, there's two things. There seems to be two narrative for ch- mm-hmm. for child stars. One is that you sort of die off and no one ever talks about right. you again. Or the other is that people are watching you grow up mm-hmm. in this very public way. What sort of comes to mind when you think about stars? You know, I think everybody thinks about the Miley VMAs right. moment. What are some things that come to mind for you in terms of stars that have really had to publicly navigate going from being a tween star to an adult star? I mean, I think the one that always comes to mind first and foremost for me is I think one of the most extreme examples and that's the Olsen twins. Right. They have been famous or they were child stars literally from little babies. Like right. Babies. Like six months old, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, for them, there has never been a part of their life where they're not famous. And in a sense, there's never that... Um, over-eager child star, you know, doing the audition circuit, that kind of thing. Like, 
they were babies like they weren't signing on the dotted line at six months old right they were right. just there and that really was that born into so, it. Yeah. you know that's actually such an interesting example I wasn't even thinking about good old MK and yeah. Ashley much <laughs> as I love them but you know they are one of the first because at this point they have been around for so long yeah. and I remember like when they turned 18 like mm -hmm. in a weird way that's one of the first like gross internet stories i remember right. is like the countdown and remember there were those Just like geo city websites yes. that were like counting oh. down until they were of legal age but in some ways like that is a gross example but it shows exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. It's sort of this moment where you, for them, you know, that actual countdown from yeah. the moment of being like you're a child star to being an adult Two. star. And then, you know, they had their NYU phase with the, the um, how to describe their aesthetic, very much layered clothing. And, you know, there was always that kind of, is this a response to them now being sexualized or, you know, th not that I'm putting that on them myself, but that was always kind of part of the narrative of them having to respond to this sexualization as kids, as adults, and and how sure. to how to kind of walk that that line, which is so tough, and nobody should really have to do. And especially for them, because they were there was such a you know, Mary Kate and Ashley, along with like a Hillary Duff, Lizzie mm -hmm. McGuire. I feel like there was such a focus on what they were wearing all the time, right. and in part for them because they were twins. Yes, you know all their little red carpets, like all of those movies that they yeah. did. It was that sort of very like limited to style oh. of fashion, but like the matching red carpets. So Absolutely. there was such a focus on what they were yeah. wearing, and I think you're right. There was sort of a very intentional break from the mm -hmm. sort of cutesy, fashiony. Yeah, um, they were really trendsetters. They were. I mean, they still are. Yeah, but now. It, Everyone has kind of done that, like, homeless chic. But yeah. they were really, like, some of the first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, love the Olsons. Yes, love oh, them, fun. love them. Um, do you have a favorite, like, I think they're an example of stars that sort of made the transition pretty gracefully. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite hot mess example? <gasps> Oh, I feel so bad labeling somebody a hot. I mean, you're a lover Lindsay of Lohan. Yeah. I mean, but then you know, I think what's really interesting is Lindsay Lohan is the first one that comes to mind. But you've also got Macaulay Culkin, right? And that was also kind of a hot mess, right? So, I mean, I would have to say, love some Lindsay. Um, I'm actually glad that you mentioned Macaulay Culkin because I feel like there have been so many think pieces by people mm -hmm. way smarter than me talking about how often this conversation centers around. Um, around women exactly and it is true that macaulay culkin is an example of one of those um dudes yeah. one of those like rare dudes where i feel like there was the same kind of speculation oh absolutely yeah you know i mean and or i scrutiny think speculation isn't what i meant scrutiny. beyond scrutiny just like yeah. this invasive culture of and i think it's this weird thing and i think it taps into something where I certainly wanted to be a child star when I was a kid. I remember yeah, I did like a school play and I was the tin man in The Wizard of Oz and everybody was like, oh my gosh, Alex, you were so good. So you were I was made like, for yeah, the I'm stage. Gonna, I'm going to do this. Oh my God. So there's this weird thing when like the kids that actually did do this, I think it taps into something quite dark where you're almost, you're not rooting for them to fail. Right. But you're not necessarily upset about it because it's like oh well I'm so glad I was never super famous as a kid after all right. because then this would have happened to me thank goodness I made the right decision it's weird that is such a good point that like part of our obsession with watching these people grow up is so tied to our own sort mm -hmm. of narcissism and our own like well I wasn't 14 and starring on a hit right. TV show and making millions exactly and I'm kind of jealous that you were doing yeah. that so I'm kind of a little bit glad to see you right? feel you're so right I'm Do just you... dark I'm just you're dark. so dark you were 
we're immediately going to that dark yep. place. Do you have, to take it away from the dark place Thank and back you. to the juicy Save place, yeah. do you have like a favorite juicy child star confession that you can remember? I mean, the one, again, like the thing that comes to mind is um, Joe Jonas's big tell-all. I was going to say the same. Yes. So I mean, for people who aren't familiar, can you oh, set that up? So I think it was, oh gosh, maybe a year, a year and a half yeah, ago now. Joe Jonas sat down with New York Magazine and just, I mean, like, it could not have been more of a tell-all interview. Like, look it up, look up tell-all interview in the dictionary and it should just be Joe Jonas's right. interview. He laid it all out there. You know, the Disney Channel double standard, um, everything that was going on behind the scenes, you know, his relationship with Demi Lovato, the whole purity ring thing they had going on. He talked about smoking pot, yes. right? Which, like, it still scandalizes yeah. me whenever celebs admit to, like, doing drugs. Right? Like, hugs, not drugs! It's terrible. It's like I was just about okay with Joe Jonas saying this, yeah. but if it had been my love Nick Jonas, <laughs> I just would have had <laughs> to wash my eyes out and have, like, I don't even know, my memory wiped so that I could just not not deal with it. I struggle with some of Nick's music these days. It's almost too much for me. Um. It's too much. Well, that was a perfect example. That was exactly what I was thinking in my head. And I think it is time for us to bring a real child star into the conversation. Ooh. What do you think? I think let's do it. Having, yeah. have, I'm not going to be mean to them because I don't personally feel that, you know, embittered. <laughs> I really don't. Right, right, right. You will put your jealousy yes. aside. Great. All right. Let me just pull out my phone and dial up one of my favorite. <laughs> my fave child stars yeah, exactly. in my Rolodex. Exactly. Here we go. Our first former child star signed a record deal when she was just 12 years old. She became the youngest solo artist to ever have a number one single in America. Now, almost 13 years later, she's releasing her new album, Mad Love, in stores October 14th. Please welcome JoJo. Hi, JoJo. Hey, guys. Hey. So you're calling from a photo shoot right now. Is that right? Yeah, I'm actually doing a little a little visual uh, for some of my new music. Oh, that's fun. Well, thank you for making the time to talk to us. This episode of the podcast is all about child stars. So, of course, we wanted to pick your brain and talk to you a little bit about it. And, you know, you, I think your experience in the music industry, which I know you've talked a lot about, is unfortunately the narrative for a lot of women. So sort of backtracking a little bit. You know, when you first signed that record deal at age 12, what was that experience like? And kind of when you think back about it now, are you like, oh I was a baby? You know, like, what was that like to be 12 years old and having this massive success? I never felt like a baby. You know, I always felt like an old soul and I always wanted to be older than I was. So when I put my first single out when I was 13, I was actually embarrassed about how young I was. And I wanted to say I was 16, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because everyone else was, was older than me and it seemed like they were so much cooler. So I um, I always wanted to play with the with the, the bigger kids. Um, um, that's and, actually... and when, I, when I look back on it, I mean, it was it was exactly what I wanted. You know, I was a very mm-hmm. precocious little little girl, so <laughs> it never felt like I was being pushed in any direction that I didn't want to go in. Um, I, it's so I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was gonna say I actually feel like that's so real because I think every thirteen-year-old, you know, in high school, when you're like, you know, in middle school, you want people to think that you're like a cool older girl. Who exactly. Can drive. Like, remember being in the chat rooms, like age, sex, location. I was sure do. About all of that. <laughs> sure <laughs> do. Definitely my age. Yeah. So okay, so you were sort of very comfortable in the role and in the spotlight, and wanted people to think you were a little bit older. Was there a moment where you sort of realized how big of a deal it was to be your age and be having this success? I think it's when I got older, um, or when I like went to the mall that I that I grew up going to and then 
was asked by security to leave because it was just getting too chaotic and wow. their security couldn't couldn't handle it. And I was like 14 or 15, yeah, 14. Um, that was like, you know, okay, this is this is different. But again, it, it was what I grew up wanting to do. You just never know what's going to come with it until you're really smack dab in the middle of it. Sure. And I'm sure, you know, as you're experiencing that, it's also exciting. It was exciting, yeah. And I think only when I got a little bit older, maybe 17, did I realize that, wow, 13 was really young to have started out. And, and that, that was such a unique thing because, you know, um, it's just super, super young to, to be singing about things that people can relate to. But for some reason, you know, it worked. It worked. How much creative control did you have over, you know, your early music and image? Well, I didn't love my first single, Leave Get Out. I didn't really get it. Um, and I considered myself more of an R&B singer. And I felt like the song was so pop. Right. But the fact that some people still feel like it's an R&B song is, is dope. I just, that's not how I felt. Um, so that was the only song that I didn't really, I mean, after that, I was like, okay, I, I, I think I understand um, this pop world a little bit. You know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that it's bubblegum, you know, it can have different influences in it. And thankfully, the people I was working with just kind of drew from who I naturally was. I was this kind of feisty, angsty young girl from the East Coast um, who was already opinionated and loud. And I, I felt very sure of myself at that time. And they just kind of supported that. So I, I didn't feel like as far as imaging, like I was you know, pulled in any direction that made me feel uncomfortable. I think you're pretty lucky because I think a lot, you know, you hear so many stories from female pop artists, you know, even female pop artists who, you know, were a little older than you when they got their start. You know, I think for women actually in any industry, it can be difficult to be taken seriously. And as a teen, I think that's even harder. And I imagine, you know, it sounds like you were lucky to have people that really understood what you were trying to do. And like maybe aside from the first single supported your image, because I, I think that can always be hard for women, especially young women. I think also having my mom managing me at the time was was a good thing that kept me in a bubble and kept me from hearing, you know, the harshness of the industry. She wouldn't allow me to, to even hear some of the, you know, if the label had opinions or other people had opinions, she kept me really sheltered from that. So I didn't really know what was going on in the behind the scenes until I broke out on my own, you know, at 18. So um you know, if I, I, I was just kind of blissfully go, doing my thing and it was it was allowed. So totally. I know you've opened up about this a little bit um, in the past as well. Um, you know, you mentioned being really conscious of the, the imaging and the branding and, you know, being feisty and, and knowing what you wanted. But I know you had come up against, you know, record executives and people from your label who, um, you know, would basically just be really gross and horrible and have these comments and feedbacks about, you know, your appearance. Um, how difficult is it to deal with that? You know, were there times where you just wanted to, to you know, either to like give up or give in and, you know, like do what they were telling you to do, even though it felt really wrong? I never experienced that as a child. That was more when I was 18, 19. Okay. Um, where people started to be more vocal to me or to my manager about mm -hmm. what, uh, you know, how they felt I should look or 
be presented or how the music should be packaged. You know right. what I mean? They were like, well, you don't look right for the music. Um, I'm, I'm short, I'm 5'3", and sometimes, you know, if you're, sometimes 10 pounds extra can look, you know, mm-hmm. can, can look like a lot on a, a petite frame. And they had no problem telling me that. And so, um, yeah, I, I did give in because I was told that if I didn't look right, that my music wouldn't come out. Right. And the moral of the story is my music didn't come out anyway, so it didn't matter how I looked. Um, so I kind of went through this thing that, that really messed me up psychologically for a while. I was on um, injections, diet injections, where your body only, uh, where you're eating only 500 calories a day, tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant, and the food that it would give to the baby, it like somehow expels, and you end up losing weight really rapidly. And this isn't an uncommon thing. That is Plenty crazy. Of stars who will, you know, go unnamed have done this and do this and. It's just not something that I will subscribe to ever again. Totally. I think, Jojo, you do have, and again, why you're such a great person to talk about on our little exploration of child stardom today on the podcast. I think you have such an interesting perspective on this because Mm -hmm. you did get such an unusually young start. So you had, you know, you have your phase in your career now where, of course, you were still like a young lady, which is a good thing to remind people of. It's not (laughs) like, you know, you're like, approaching your 50s or something crazy like that you're still so young 25 yeah Yeah, you're still so young um and have such a will have such a long career ahead of you but you know you had this phase of really being like a kid and then this phase you know when you were a teen and i'm sure turning 18 and coming out on your own sort of felt like i'm sure at the time there was a feeling of like i'm all grown up now i've got it all figured out um right right and that was almost like this whole second phase and now you're kind of entering this like third phase um so i think you have a really interesting way of sort of seeing being a young person in this industry through multiple lenses i think so too i think it's a a really unique place to be and i just try to um you know to, to to keep my eyes open and keep an open mind as much as possible and i i feel after everything i've seen and uh, things I've been through, I don't feel jaded. Like, this is what I love to do. I still really, really love it. And more than ever, now that the choices are truly mine, and now that it is kind of that, like, that third chapter, you know what I mean? Where, like, mm-hmm. at 18, I was like, I'm grown, and I'm going to dye my hair black, and I'm going to smoke <laughs> cigarettes, and F you, you know? Like, now I'm just like, no, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This means everything to me. I take this so seriously. And but I also have fun with it, which I think I lost for a while, you know, because this industry is weird as hell. Do you think the industry does enough to support the young talent that they're obsessed with? You know, it's no surprise that in the music industry and in Hollywood in general, people are obsessed with youth and with young stars and the next big thing. Is there enough, are there enough safety guards in place for the 18 year olds of the world that are in this industry? Well, look, it's an industry, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's business and we're looked at as products. So you can't expect an industry necessarily to protect people. Like I think that we need to band together and the creatives need to come together and look out for each other. And maybe, you know, it's gonna be lawyers, um, you know, being stepping up and looking out, managers stepping out and looking up, you know, it's the people on the inside, but I don't really expect much from, from corporations. I don't, that's not who I, you know, I like people. So I don't think that we need to really look to to industries necessarily, but I think what's great about where the music industry is now 
is that there are so many examples of how you can be a successful young woman. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look one way. It doesn't sound one way. She doesn't dress one way. She doesn't identify as one thing. You know what I mean? There are so many examples of, um, of what it is to be a young woman in 2016. I think it's so healthy and important. And, and that's why it gives me the strength to say, I'm not, I'm not starving myself. I'm not a cookie cutter. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be safe, whatever that means Mm -hmm. anymore. Because I definitely think, you know, way back when, when you were starting out, it it seemed like it was still a point in time where it was very much that sort of bubblegum pop moment. Um, And there wasn't as much diversity for young women. Right. I agree. Um, Is that, you know, I think, you know, some stars like, like us non-famouses on the outside, like always sort of love the nostalgia of like hearing you talk about your past and hearing the sort of inside story, you know, behind the music about what it was really like for you. Um, And some stars don't ever want to talk about that. They seem sort of annoyed to talk about their history and their past. Why do you, you know, is your, I'm wondering if your openness in talking about it, is it all to do with what you're saying is feeling like there are people out there that want to do this and you kind of need to like help them and let them know what it's all about? It's just that I'm not ashamed of my story. It's a part of what makes me who I am. And I think that there's a lot of questions as to why I was gone. You know, some people are like, oh, she took a seven-year break. Like, what? Right. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, you know, let me let me explain a little bit. So this is a, a season where I'm doing, uh, you know, a bit of explaining, and there will come a point where, you know, th- it's something that I, you know, don't want to go in depth about necessarily, but uh, it's always going to be who I am. I mean, our our history makes us who we are, and we can't forget that. Right, right. If you could go back and give your 12-year-old self advice, what would it be? Um, Such a good question. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think any of us would have listened to to any advice that, that we would have given. You know what I mean? Like, sure not. I, I was a little shit. I, I thought I was. I thought I knew everything. But um, I would say, you know, don't try to grow up so quick. Enjoy the mm-hmm. lack of responsibility that you have. Uh, enjoy, you know... The, the McDonald's that you won't get a stomach ache from because you know what I mean? Like yeah. mm-hmm. you have like a steel stomach when you're 12. So, um, I don't know. I would just say, just, just have fun with it. But I did, I did, I did have fun with it. So I don't, I have no regrets. Do you feel, I feel like everyone in your position that has like a long history of being in the public eye gets asked this question. So sorry to ask you for the 10 millionth <laughs> time, I'm sure. But do you feel like, are you grateful that you came up sort of pre-social media? I don't feel like I came up pre-social media necessarily. Okay. Um, MySpace was a huge thing, uh, MySpace and Facebook and, um, you know, that, that. And then I've come up with it because mm-hmm. let's not forget, I'm 25. Right. So I'm a millennial and I would be using this stuff anyway. So it doesn't feel like I'm like, oh, I got to learn this Twitter thing. What, <laughs> what, what are, are the I mean? kids it's doing? Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm using it anyway. It's yeah. fun to me. So, I mean, but I do feel like I think it was great that there was that period of time where I was falling on my face and being stupid and, and dating idiots and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And the, the harsh light of the spotlight wasn't all up in my face. And that's great because I got to really learn a lot of lessons without the judgment of other people mm-hmm. that other people who, you know, became famous young can't say like they had they were scrutinized for 
living their lives and, and going through normal motions, you know what I mean? So I'm glad for that because everything is documented now, but, you know, I, I have, I've been lucky to have some balance to where, you know, a lot of things are still private. I feel like I have to ask um, because I'm just I'm such a gossip and I <laughs> I just have to own it. Um, you know, you, I think you talk about having that balance and how that's really important. But I think one of the narratives that we so often hear with um, child stars and that process of growing up is, you know, the the diva behavior and the child star who has a huge entourage or the child star who is. I don't know, demanding that their M&Ms be color-coded. Like, what, are there any... That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I might have made that last one up, but if I was a child star, that would have been on my rider. I'm just putting that out there right now. Um, can, is there any crazy diva behavior that you can remember from any of your peers at any point? Like, moments that you were like, oh my gosh, I am never going to be like that child star, or like, that is not what I'm about. Ooh, from any of my peers. <laughs> Let's see. Um, just being like super wasted or like clearly high okay. on something mm-hmm. that is a marijuana. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. Like, like through sober eyes, of course, you you can you can see how someone looks. I'm like, damn, I never want to look like that. Okay. Because yeah, th- that's really it. As far as like, honestly, I feel like because I was such. I'm such an anti-diva as far as behavior. <laughs> I love divas as the vocalist, but as mm-hmm. far as like the quote-unquote diva behavior, right. I feel like nobody ever brought that foolishness around me. <laughs> I feel like if anybody was cl- close to me, they knew that they had to be a real person. So you're, you're like a bubble of chill. I'm I'm lucky, I, I think. That's great. So I wait, I have a drug question because <laughs> again, us non famouses, I feel like I imagine that like if you work in the industry, it's just like you walk like every room you walk into, people are just like handing you drugs. Oh. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it's not like that. I I never saw I never saw illicit drugs. I mean I, I saw marijuana in the studio when I was younger, but I never saw drugs even in LA until I was in my early 20s like I never and, and, and my cousins like who are in Boston were a little older than me they were like Joanna like when you move to LA you gotta promise us like never t- never put anything up your nose I'm like guys <laughs> no one even does that like I've never seen that <laughs> so it's you know it, honestly it's not true maybe I was just hanging out with with herbs with people who just like don't do drugs but <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's not everywhere it's definitely where you look for it but it's not everywhere right okay you're shattering all my all my notions but I <laughs> love that that's good you're giving us the real it's story it's the real talk it's so real talk. before we have to let you go back to your photo shoot because we are totally interrupting you in the middle of your work day um, tell us you obviously signed a new record deal um, Mad Love as we mentioned drops October 14th what can you tell us about it why should Cosmo Girls be so excited to like Ooh. download it immediately oh my gosh I'm so 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 excited for Mad Love um, I mean, this is just, of course, a long time coming. And this album is all about love, but not in that corny way of just singing about just, you know, boys all the time. My mm-hmm. life isn't just about boys, just as I know neither is yours. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? This is about self-love. This is about friendships. This is about family. And this is about love, sex, you know, and, and all that fun stuff as well. It's about, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and learning from it. And I'm really proud of this project, and it's it sounds like the things I grew up listening to as well as what I'm listening to now. So it's really infused with a lot of a lot of different things, and um, I, I wanted it to feel like the soundtrack to me and my friends' lives, and uh, and just kind of have a song for for every for every moment 
from from you know the beginning of the day to the end and and this is just the beginning so i'm just really really excited for people to hear this and for me to you know to to keep moving and to to open the next chapter well i love that and even talking to you for just 10 minutes like i love the title mad love and even talking to you for it's so good and talking to you for just 10 minutes like i can tell that you're so like chill and like there's so many like haters and so much drama out there so i'm just like ready to bring on the mad love so thank you jojo for filling us all in about it and telling us all your childhood secrets it was so great (laughs) thanks guys Thanks. thanks talk to you soon bye bye Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Going to take a quick break to talk about the Avon Books Trouble with Mistletoe. Really excited about this, you guys, so stick with me. When Keen Winter walks into Willa Davis's pet shop with his great aunt's feline from hell, he's sure that the drop-dead gorgeous pet store owner he's never seen before is mad at him. She's sure that he needs a kitty sitter, but the last thing Willa needs is to rescue a guy who doesn't even remember her. If she has her way, he'll get nothing but coal in his stocking, unless he tempers naughty with a special kind of nice. The Trouble with Mistletoe, a heartbreaker bay novel from New York Times bestselling author Jill Shalvis, is available wherever books are sold. And now I am very excited to do a dramatic reading of a passage from The Trouble with Mistletoe. You want to come upstairs, Willa? What she wanted was to put her hands back on his chest now that she knew it was as hard as it looked. Instead, she gripped either side of her seat with white knuckles. Of course not. I think you do. I think you want something else, too. What I want, she said as coolly as she could, is dinner as promised. (laughs) Liar, he chided softly. Well, that's just rude, calling your date a liar. So it is a date. His tone was very male and very smug. It should have pissed her off, but instead it did something hot and erotic to her insides. Clearly knowing it, he smiled at her and then dragged his teeth over his lower lip as he contemplated her. That was a very sexy passage from The Trouble with Mistletoe, a Heartbreaker Bane novel, available now wherever books are sold. Joining us on the line now is someone who is currently a child star. She is the star of Nickelodeon's hit series, Bella and the Bulldogs. Please welcome Breck Bassinger. Hey, Breck, how are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? Good. So where are you calling us from? I am actually in the car right now in Los Angeles. Okay. Is that where you guys film the show? Yes, we do. We film on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. And but you're Amazing. a you're a Texas girl, is that right? I am. I'm, I'm originally from Texas, but I've been based in LA for about two years now. Okay, and you're 17, right? Yes. Okay, and so do you feel like your real age is 17? Like, do you <laughs> feel like a 17 year old, or do you feel older, younger, secretly 25? <laughs> I do. I feel older just because I've been working as an adult now for almost three years so i feel like i have a lot of the responsibilities of an adult but then again it's it's interesting because i'm playing a middle schooler on tv so i also get like to act young and when i'm acting so it's like a good equal balanced mix of both right you're like younger in your professional life and older in your like real spiritual (laughs) inside your soul life 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so obviously every kid in the world knows Belle and the Bulldogs, but for the old people that listen to the Cosmo podcast or don't have a little sister slash cousin slash kid they're babysitting for who watches, can you give us a little breakdown of the show? What are we missing out on? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's see. So um, it's about a girl quarterback, Bella, who at first is a cheerleader, but her dream has always been to be a part of the football team. And so it's just her life trying to balance her new life as a football player but like remain friends with her cheerleader best friend so it's just kind of a very ensemble cast but it's kind of Bella's life to that that experience <laughs> um and so a lot of kids dream of doing exactly what you're doing which is like starring on their own tv show on Nickelodeon um is it a surreal experience for you it totally is I think when I was younger I thought, oh, if, if I was on a Nickelodeon show, this is what it would feel like. And I, I don't think I'd have that moment where I've fully wrapped my brain around millions of people watching the show, knowing who I am. I don't, I don't think your brain can ever <laughs> truly understand what you're doing. Right. And so I'm sure, what have been some of the weird things that have happened to you since the show has taken off? Do people, you know, how often do you get recognized? Is it getting harder to sort of do the regular things you did back when you were, you know, 14? A young girl, 14? It's an interesting thing because I can definitely go out and get recognized. But I, I feel like I'm very fortunate because I can put a hat on and not be recognized. So I can still go out and do the, like, everyday things. But then if, if I want to, to meet people and do things like that, it's very easy for me to just make myself look like Bella, make myself recognizable. But I've had some really cool experiences. I was actually with my other castmate buddy, and we were just out to dinner. And this kid, it was his birthday, and he started crying because he was just so excited. And so to see that, like, just us merely meeting these kids, it can bring them that much joy, it's just so exciting, and I'm so honored to be able to do that. And I would think one of the things that is hard about that is that sometimes, you know, especially because some of your fans are probably very, very young. You know, I think it can be hard when you have a really young fan base like that. They almost maybe have trouble separating you from the character that you play. Um, And they feel like you sort of owe them every single ounce of your personal life. Is that hard to deal with? Do you have people that, you know, is it more common for you to get addressed in character? Um, And, you know, I know that you're so grateful for your young fans. And the thing about a young fan base is those people will, like, love you to the day you die and be, like, crazy you know, supporters, <laughs> okay. but they also want a lot from you. <laughs> no, that's, that's very, very true. I almost, I'm very fortunate for them being young because being in LA, it's very easy to grow up too fast, especially being treated like an adult 99% of the time. So having those fans on social media trying to keep me young, I, I'm very fortunate for it because I, I think I would have grown up too fast without them. Do you ever give input on the show where you sort of say, like, oh, I don't think, you know, because, like, obviously the people that write the show are all old people, like, my age. Do you ever say, like, uh, I don't think she would, you know, I don't think Bella would really say that, or I don't think that's what kids are really doing? 
Yeah, it was so funny. In like one episode, they tried to put like Bay into it, but they weren't saying it. Like, no, no, no. Okay, if you're gonna put Bay into it, this is how you use it. But it was so cool. They would actually come to us like and ask us about like teenage lingo and what the kids were saying. So it was a lot of fun getting to do that. Yeah. What are the teens saying? What's the, what's the lingo? Help lingo, us out. Yeah, exactly. Keep us young. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the thing I say, and it's, I I don't like myself for saying it, but I say it all the time. I'm always saying lit. Uh, like, oh, that's so lit. I'm like, Rex, no, where is this coming from? That does not make sense, but okay. I feel like every time I try to say it, I sound like such an old person. I'm like, it's lighted up. I mean, I mean, like such an old. I feel like I just used it in a headline the other day. And then I was like frantically emailing like young people to be like, is this correct? Did I do it right? Oh my gosh, Breck, we're going to call you next time. We need to use lit in a headline on Cosmo. I got you. I can can keep you up to date. Um, So you mentioned a little bit social media and your fans, you know, talking to you, following you there all the time. Um, You know, what has been the strangest thing that has happened on social media? And do you have to sort of limit yourself on how much time you because I'm sure you can go down a rabbit hole of sort of reading every single comment and that that could be a little bit much. No, it definitely can. I try not like I try to just like post a photo on Instagram or tweet something and then not read the comments. I mean, of course, I'm going to see some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it is hard because there can be so much, and it can be very overwhelming. But it's also really great because some, I, I mean, I haven't had a lot of, hey, I mean, of course, I'm going to get it here and there, but a lot of people are very supportive. So it's been nice. Like, I, I don't deal with a lot of negativity, but of course, there is going to be some here and there. One thing, tell me if you've, like, not to take this in a weird direction, but tell me if you've, like, noticed this. I notice sometimes with the fans of, you know, big stars on social media that the comments are, like, really sexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like... No, 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 I was, I was going to say that. Yeah. It's like, the hate doesn't really bug me because they can be like, oh, my gosh, you're stupid, you're ugly. I'm like, okay, you don't know who I am. You don't know the real me. That's fine. Right. But it's like when they say very perverted sexual things mm. it makes me very uncomfortable and i'll have my dad like texting like hey can you delete this comment i don't think that's appropriate for the majority of your followers to see or for you to be reading I'm like absolutely no i don't want people to read that it's so uncomfortable yeah and you sort of know that it's kids writing it oh, like awful. it doesn't seem like it's like necessarily like a creepy old person but it's i've really noticed that with young fans that they're a way of it's almost like they love you so much or they love whoever they're like worshiping so much that they like need to find a way an extreme way Mm. to express it and it turns into this like yeah yeah that's interesting um but that's good that you have your dad on your social media team (laughs) to help you out (laughs) no it's my dad and my grandma i get texts from them all the time like my grandma literally texted me the other day she's like you need to post more pictures of you smiling. You don't smile enough. I'm like, okay, go. Oh my gosh, social media Insta advice from grandma. I love, love that. It. And what are your, you know, have your parents and your grandma, like what kind of things do they say to you in terms of like, these are the things you need to watch out for? And like, you know, because one thing we were talking, this whole episode of the podcast that we're doing has been about child stars. And certainly there have been a lot of child stars that have had a lot of trouble growing up in the public eye. Mm-hmm. You know, have you had those conversations, you know, with your family and how do they keep you grounded? Well, fortunately, my family has always been very supportive of me, and I, I wouldn't be where I am without them. So they've made so many sacrifices for me to follow my dreams. That being said, I do give a lot to them. I care a lot about what they think 
about what I'm what projects I'm working on and what I'm putting out into the world. So my dad, he always he's such a great person. Um, so he we've had a few conversations and it, he's blatantly said like if you start going down the wrong path a way I don't like you will be coming back to Texas and <laughs> going to college and I, I'm still planning on going to college but like back home mm-hmm. right. staying at home until you're okay again but, but I think it's good because in this industry you hear yes a lot and it's good to have that sh- those strong family roots for people to tell you no you're messing up what are you doing right right have you ever seen like at award shows and not and now that you have to name any names but do you ever see any like other of your peers or kids your age and you're like whoa crazy diva alert <laughs> also if oh, you want to name uh, names yeah. that's great <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no i won't do that um, but yes i've seen people first of all be so disrespectful to their parents which mm. that makes me Ooh. cringe i cannot stand that like they put you on this earth respect them mm-hmm. and then i also do see like people just adults in general they don't have respect for them they tell them no they talk back and I just don't I don't think that should be the way it is yeah I could you know I definitely grew up with the parents my parents were always like you have to address like you know Mr. and Mrs. you know Smith like you have to Mm -hmm. use the like yeah yeah I get it yes ma'am no ma'am absolutely right exactly you Texas girls always know um, <laughs> so where do you see your career going in another five to ten years? Because I'm sure, you know, you said that you feel like an adult most of the time. Like, I'm sure that everyone in your position, like, you probably, like, have more of a plan than most 17-year-olds do. Or 27-year-olds. Yeah. I'm, I'm very type A. I like to have a plan. I'm the person that creates a list and won't stop until everything is checked off of them. But um, I'm very happy right now. Like, I, a lot of content is have gotten very explicit and I'm very happy doing this like very kid friendly content mm-hmm. so right now I'm happy with that of course I'd like to transfer into like more mature mature roles in the long run but I'm in no rush to do that well good for you you're just like the cutest um is there an is there an <laughs> actor whose career do you have sort of a career role model someone whose career you'd like to emulate Okay, this is going to sound very weird, but <laughs> let me let me say all of it. Okay, <laughs> Amanda Bynes. Oh. She started off on a Nickelodeon show and then went to, like, an ABC family, more of, like, a teen show, and then started doing, like, great feature films. I mean, and then I'll just stop there. <laughs> that, that's a that good trajectory. Time. I really liked how she did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's kind of actually interesting because, yeah, she did get her star on Nickelodeon when she was, you know, young. So it is interesting yeah. how she is both a role model for you and a cautionary tale mm. in one person. Yes. But that's great. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. You are yeah, just the cutest. I feel younger and more informed about what the kids are doing today <laughs> than ever before. So thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. She was so freaking cute. I Just, like, so cute, but then also, like, mature and knew exactly what she was doing yeah and she's 17 and like what was i even doing when i was 17 right but i also shout out to jojo who was just like like i actually can't believe that i've worked in this industry for so long and i've never interviewed her before right she was so chill and like you could also tell like in a different way but like has such a good head on her shoulders i don't know who i have more of a crush on now breck or jojo what about what do you think i feel like i would just say that 
I have so much respect for like the old they both kind of you know talked about feeling like old souls one way or another and I think that is such an attractive trait in a person because it just says a lot about you know them knowing themselves and being confident and like in LA and in those industries it's so difficult to hold on to that and they both seem to be doing that which right. I think is super admirable. Even though people apparently don't hand you drugs at every turn. I thought LA was just like a like a free Chipotle like, of drugs. So you get in an Uber and it's like, <laughs> they're just there on the exactly. back seat. Exactly, Uber is just a code name for drugs. <laughs> I've never even been to LA. So. <laughs> You've never been? No. Oh. I don't think I would like it because I don't know how to drive. Oh, I barely so, know how to drive either. Yeah. That is hard. Um, this has nothing to do with anything we talked about, but are you watching My Crazy Ex-Girlfriends? No. Well, there's this doesn't give anything <laughs> away, but there's one scene where like Rachel Bloom's character yep, is talking yep, yep. to the young person character who's in college, and she's like, "Call a cab, call a cab," and the girl is just staring at her blankly, <laughs> and she goes, "An Uber." Oh. She's like, "Oh." There you go. Yeah. So um, that has nothing to do with child but stars. No, it's, but no, it's just like it's like Breck was saying, like that just that being able to own it in terms of you know like you're in charge, you're on screen in her case, but also really leading. Like the adults, you know, like to use lit in the right context exactly. is a risk for some of us. Exactly. But, and know. that is, you know, I think that's part of the fascination with child stars. Mm-hmm. It's like we all keep getting older, but right. they stay the same they, age. They do. <laughs> and they can keep playing the same age yeah. for, for years and years and years. Exactly. That's so interesting. That's so yeah. interesting. Um, well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always a treat to be here. Yes. And do you want to um, shout out your Twitter handle so everyone can follow you everywhere? Oh, yes. Tweet do. sexual things. Yeah, please do. I Yes. thrilled oh my gosh <laughs> sometimes I you know when I look at like the famous celebrity streets and I see these vile things I'm like oh that's terrible but I am laughing right so yeah hit me up with your filthier stuff I'm maybe Alex is lost on Twitter love that go handle. for it like try and shock me I'm British <laughs> but I'm not that easily shocked no pictures though just worse oh my god the challenge <laughs> yeah, has been yeah. laid this down this was a bad idea I'm already like roll this back roll this back make Alex's um, <laughs> failed dream of being a child star come true oh my gosh um, and as always I am at Elisa Benson everywhere you guys I it brings me such insane joy in my heart when you guys tweet at me and when you tell me you listen to the show and a lot of you seem to listen to it when you're driving to work so shout out shout out to driving to work um i I hope you drive safe drive safe exactly (laughs) as alex and i just said we have no idea how to drive but um as always please um do all the things you do to a podcast rate it and share it and like apparently the only way podcasts get more listeners if it is if they spread by word of mouth so like tell a human you like to tell tune in. Tell two humans. Tell two humans two you humans. like to tune in to Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast every week. And as I've already said like nine times today, I'm Elisa Benson. Thank you all so much for listening. If there's a topic you want to see us handle soon, tweet at me and let me know. Thanks, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.